Aloha from the island, Lost fans, and welcome to a special edition of The Transmission. This is a podcast devoted to the show Lost on ABC. I'm Jen. And I'm Ryan, and we're breaking into our Season 3 rewatch one last time to bring you more audio from the recent celebration of Lost at the Hawaii International Film Festival. A couple of weeks ago, we shared bringing the design of each episode together, and if you missed it, be sure to check out our archives. Today, we're moving on to the third and final master class. The topic was costume and props and the panel featured costume designer Roland Sanchez and property master Robert Kiker. The session was moderated by HIF program director Anderson Lee. The session had the most audience Q&A and while that means the audio might be a little hard to follow at times without headphones, the conversation was really good. Absolutely. Now as you enjoy this latest class, remember you only have a few days left to get in your feedback for our next regularly scheduled podcast as part of our season 3 review. So get out those DVDs and read visit episodes 18 19 and 20 that's the brig for Locke, the man behind the curtain for ben and greatest hits for charlie we'd love your thoughts for our podcast coming up this sunday so please email us at lost at comment on the blog at hawaiiup.com slash lost or call the last line at 815-310-0808 by friday december 11th remember everyone who emails us during our hiatus review is entered to win special lost Lost prizes from Comic-Con, The Others Lost Band, author Nikki Stafford, Damon Carlton and a PolarBear.com, and even the deluxe Dharma Initiation Kit DVD box set of Season 5 coming out this week. That's right. Can't wait. And also in our next podcast, of course, more filming updates from here on the island. But if you can't wait, I often break shooting news as it comes on my blog at hawaiiweblog.com. And as always, you can get more of us than you could possibly ever need by following us on Twitter. I'm at Hawaii. And I'm at Mrs. Hawaii. I'm also on Facebook Ooh. at facebook.com slash Jen Ozawa. Well, in that case, I'm facebook.com slash Ozawa. Heck, you can follow our cats on Twitter. They just yes, joined this Twitter.com Echo the Cat and Twitter.com Anna the Cat. Exactly. In any case, without further delay, the Hawaii International Film Festival Celebration of Lost Masterclass number three, Costumes and Props. Good afternoon. Hello, my name is uh, Anderson Lay. I'm the director of programming for the 29th Annual Hawaii International Film Festival. Thank you for coming to today's third masterclass on Lost. Today's uh, a very special day. We've, we're, we're making a Lost Day here at the festival, um, and uh, you know, and it's going to culminate with the big uh, evening uh, tonight um, at the Royal Hawaiian Theater, uh, an evening with Carlton Cues and uh, Damon Lindelof. So, hope to, hope to see you your faces there as well. So. Um, I've heard from the, the last two match classes were a lot of fun, and I'm sure this is going to be great. Um, I you know these two guys have look, look very fun-loving and very humorous. So <laughs> sometimes. Sure, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> but uh, we're going to, I'd like to introduce, um, first of all, the costume designer, Roland Sanchez. Let's give a round of applause. How are you? Thank you for coming. And Rob Kiker, the prop master. Let's give him a round of applause as well. So guys, do you want to just uh, give a quick background um, on your career and how you came to on board and lost? Sure. Um, is this on? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Where do you start? Can you uh, hear me now? Can you hear me now? Um, I really sort of my background came from doing films and science fiction, fantasy, and period films. Um, and wow, two. 
great. That one's not working. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, and so um, then I got a phone call after I did this one film, um, and phone call to come do a television show, and the phone call was, you know, can you come and help us out for two months until November? I thought, well, yeah, I can do that. I was kind of tired, but um, cut to, you know, five years later, and I'm still here, which is kind of great. Um, but for uh, television, is everyone has always said that you know, there's such a difference between film and television, and I suppose that's true. But um, I think one of the amazing things about television, and especially on a show like ours, is the sort of family that you build for such a long time. And... Um, you know, you get a year to do a film, maybe six months, eight months, and five years later on a television show, it's just one of the most amazing things. So, that's me. Uh, I was in Hawaii doing a show uh, before Lost called Hawaii, and uh, my wife and kids and I really enjoyed it here. And I knew the original prop master from Lost, and as I was leaving, I called him and I said, when you get sick of the show or the show gets sick of you, call me and he did he um he wanted to leave he was ready to go at towards the end of season two and uh gene and jack agreed to have me come out and give it a shot see if they liked me and liked how i worked and um i fell in love with the show instantly it was a great it's a great show to work on from a creative perspective and uh i'm it's by far the most challenging and funnest tv show i've ever done so i'm glad to be here and uh that's how i got here and your, your, your father and your grandfather are also prop masters as well? Well, not my grandfather. Oh, no, my, my father's a prop master. My great uncle's a prop master. My brother's a prop master. And, uh, yeah, so it's a family Born thing. Family. And we have some set dressers mixed in there, too, some okay. cousins. and So, yeah, it's a family thing. Cool. So you guys really are um, instrumental in crafting the world of Lost and uh, giving it a sense of realness, a verisimilitude, so, as you will, as you will like, um, something that... Really, I, I mean, it's to me, it just seems so, like, so difficult, you know, because it's a logistic, logistical nightmare. I mean, you 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 work with so many different departments, with like the makeup, um, set design. Can you just talk about how the workflow works? How do you? You know, I mean, I guess you, you kind of... I'm interested to hear Rob's approach, because I don't really... No, seriously, I don't know how you approach it, I'm, and if it's different than the way I approach when you get the script. I don't know. When I get the breakdown or the script or whatever we start with, I I have a process. I break down props, what, you know, everything that is my job, I, I make lists of. I start doing it research, getting pictures together, and then um, I start with Jack or Zach, um, Jack Bender's our executive producer, and he directs most of them. And even if he's not directing, he's like our go-to guy here. So I start all of my ideas with Jack. This is what I'm thinking for this. This is what I'm thinking for that. And he either says, great, go with it, or no, you're on the wrong track. You know, go, go here. Um, and, then, and then I go from there, depending on if it's something that I have to have built or designed or something I'm going to design and build myself or just, you know, we got 20 cops and 40 press, so then I, that's that's pretty cut and dry. You know, you need to get police belts and you need to get badges and you need to get, you know, blah blah blah. You go from there. The the funnest stuff is the stuff that we get to design and build, and um, you know, and there's a lot of stuff that's just cut and dry. But you know, as far as interacting, 
you know, if, if we have a, a police department, let's say in, you know, Montana, for example, we start with, you know, we can't use the real Montana Police Department's name, so we have to get with Greg Nations or somebody, and they give us the name of the police department that we can use. And then roll in my design badges or patches, and then, you know, I'll take that design that we get from the art department and do police car skins so that the skins match the badges, match the sign at the front of the police station. You know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of interaction, and for the most part, it goes pretty smooth. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, after five or six years, we pretty much, right. you know. Kind of. <laughs> you still throw stuff out of the me? <laughs> how, how, about, how about your work, your work, your process? How does... Um, that one works, right? Um, I think that's, that doesn't work. Oh, it's right. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Well, I, uh, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, Damon and Carlton and, and the writers and creators give us such great characters to work with and build, you know, from beginning to some end. But, um, you know, you get the script and you read it. It's similar to your process and you break it down and you try and get a feeling for the character. And funny enough, my background is in psychology. That's what my degree is in. And so you try and, I try and get into the psychology of what the character, their situation and and what they would be wearing and what they're feeling I mean, all that sort of stuff um, and it depends I mean if it's if you know you do your research it, oh gosh you can't talk about season 6 um, <laughs> <laughs> you did? you know? oh okay. <laughs> oh but okay so you know it, like the others they're sort of my favorite well Ben Linus is one of my favorite characters to do who I love but um and he's part of the others. You know, the others originally were, they gave us this, these, a couple of lines about these people who have been in the jungle for, you know, maybe 30 years or so. Who knew? And, um, you know, I just remember these Walker Evans, Evans and Dorothea Ling photographs, um, depression photographs that were so amazing and their shredded clothes and, the, you know, the dirt on their face. And so, you know, you do your research and you build and you show ideas to Jack and Gene and Carlton and everybody else. And... Hopefully they buy it, <laughs> um, and they did. So it's a lot of work, you know. We're very lucky to get most of our things from the island. You know, we're really proud of that. That most of the clothes that these people wear are from Hawaii. You know, occasionally we have to rent things from Los Angeles, but um, but then you know, again, then you know, these others progress to another you know section. Then they write them into sort of Pleasantville community. And, you know, then we change their, I change their clothes from all those raggedy things to all these ice cream colors, you know, all these pastels and, and not really J. Crew looking, but maybe it was, but it was just a color, it's a color palette. And, um... Well, let's talk about the color palette real quick. So, because you're designing archetypes, essentially, and it's mm-hmm. all about their emotional journey and, like, sure. for example, Jack, you know, like, I noticed that season one, I mean, you started off with the, you know, with the suit. Right, and then you've right. got the, I guess that muscle bound. You get the sleeveless shirt. He's all right. muscle, mm-hmm. you know, heroy, and like, and then my like, I think season three he was, uh, he was kind of depressed and didn't know, and his the colors were different. So can you talk about some of, some of that, like, well, <laughs> some very conscious, right? Some, well, yeah, <laughs> you try to make the most conscious decisions that you can, but sometimes you know you put a character in something you know, in episode four, mm-hmm. and there hasn't been an opportunity to change them until episode, you know, ten, right. and you just hope that that carries through the whole thing. Um, oh, God, let me, I get my seasons mixed up, but I think it was season four, 
where we were doing a Matthew and Evangeline thing, and they were off the island, and we put. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a huge collaborative effort between you know the actor and me and the director and producers, but but we put Matthew in all of these sort of really beautiful and tight suits, and they were all really super tailored, um, and a little bit expensive. But, um, but it was because he sort of wanted them to be like his armor. It's like he wanted, he wanted to be covered up and tight. And it was really, it worked so amazing for that episode. It was really beautiful. So, you know, and, and we kept him in cool, I kept him in cool colors because it was still, you know, I don't know, it's just a coldness about it that he wanted to keep. And it, I think it worked out really well. I would like, um... I mean, the costuming just changed so much. I mean, with season season one and two, I was more about consistency because it was mm-hmm. pretty much all in real time. I mean, the time, not real time, but it... it flashbacks. Yeah, right? flashbacks, but also on the island, it, it was only like, you were three years on the show, but it was only like 90, <coughs> 90 days or so, or mm-hmm. 90 odd days of them. Sure. And so how did you, I mean, I mean, also with the, the fresh injuries that they had from the plane crash, I mean... You know, someone. I mean, I guess you have to keep the, the stains consistent and the dirt. The, the, you know, oh like, yeah, aging. Yeah. It, yeah, aging and continuity is a huge thing on our show. It's it's really tough, and sometimes we don't shoot it in sequence. You don't shoot it from you know the beginning of the script to the end, a lot of the time. Um, so you know, you photograph everything. You photograph the dirt. You photograph the blood. You pho- and you know, Steve makeup and Doreen would mm-hmm. do the hair and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You make it continuous. So if you're shooting one scene here and one scene here, then all the rest in the middle. You just got to keep, you know, a visual record of what you're doing. But it's a lot of work. Aging all those clothes, wow. Right. So, like, Jack's blue shirt, how many, how many copies of, of that shirt do you have? Usually like, I have, you know, in the beginning for season one, I wasn't the designer of season one, but um, we sort of had a thing where we would get four of them. Uh-huh. Well, then all of a sudden it sort of got more involved, season two, and people are, it was just more things that these people were doing. So now I usually get eight to ten of everything. Okay. And you, and you got to get it for the actor. You have to get it for the stunt people. You know, it's a lot of pieces. You should see three warehouses full of clothing. People, wow. it's huge. Yeah, it's a lot, <laughs> but it's fun. Great, Rob. So you talked about you know just the um, you know just you know, getting setting up like a Montana police scene or a police. You know, like so that's that lends to it being it making it very real, uh, especially shooting in Hawaii and making it and you know. Taking it from Montana, but what about the really cool stuff, especially through the evolution of the show when it got into more sci-fi territory? Like some of the props that I, I personally love, like you know, like the um, the polar bear um, skull and stuff like that. Where polar bear skull is actually a reproduction of a real polar bear skull, okay. and you can go to, believe it or not, Skulls Unlimited or Skulls.com and get any kind of skull you might want. Cool. It's amazing how easy a skull is to find. Um, I don't know. I'm sorry. Was there a question? Yeah, no. I mean, some of the the, the cool sides. Some of the cool. I mean, the bear, the polar bear, has been a thorn in our side from the very beginning. It's just never really been. I mean, I, it looks good on TV, and the the post guys do a great job. But we, I personally, have never thought it was great. It's just never been what we wanted it to be, um, because it's it's just uncharted territory. It's just something that you just most television shows. You just don't have that kind of time and money to really do what you know. What it's just it's just not realistic. So we've done the best we can, the best we could. We had a um, we have a really good head and a couple of really good claws. And and um, I think the funniest thing we did with the polar bears, we um, we took them to the Big Island, took the polar bear to the Big Island. This uh, it was just hysterical. It was like on a 
I don't know, what do we have, Gene? Like four days notice or five days notice? We're like, hey, we're going to go to that big island. We're going to shoot the polar bear. And it's like 200 feet down in this cave, and there's no stairs. It's like an apple box staircase, 700 sandbags, and 50 pieces of plywood, and like a vintage Tonka truck. (laughs) And that's it. We're going to the big island. Who's in that polar bear? What? That was me and Don. Are inside the polar bear? Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't do it like a behind the scenes of that. It was so bad. It was just so but, but it worked, right? I mean, you saw the episode. It was scary. So I guess if we pulled it off. That bear. Yeah. So I think that we're gonna make that. So, so you, nice you, so you're, you're, you know, credit as the polar bear then? No, no, I would never take credit or blame for the polar bear. I just. But you're, I mean, have you featured on the show as well? Because I know you were, you were, you were Jacob. Weren't you? Are you sure? I think so. You look like I, I you know, I can neither silhouette. confirm or okay. nor deny that I okay. was the original Jacob. In, I was, but yeah. you know, I, <laughs> the man behind the curtain, right? That was so right. No, that was actually that was never supposed That's to happen. Cool. That was that. I think that was just the guys throwing me a bone. They needed somebody creepy looking to sit in a chair, and you were never supposed to see me. Really, sir, truly, it was like one of those things where they weren't even going to put me in costume or makeup or hair or anything because yeah. it was like. And I think that they just, you know, I yeah. think they just. But the, you know, the, the internet was just booming. The, you know, the bulletin boards and all that. You know, just it got a lot that, of hits, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, it got like Absolutely. seven trillion screen captures. Yeah, screen, screen captures <laughs> and like. Put you on a t-shirt. Yeah, put you on the t-shirt. I got a, uh, I got a, uh, a, a note from Carlton Coos a couple Sorry. weeks ago. And uh, <laughs> you are just fine. Sorry. I got a note. I got a note mailed to me from Carlton a couple of weeks ago, and attached to it was a playing card, uh, a trading card, and it said, "I guess you. I bet you didn't know you had your own trading card." And it's a trading card of Dude, Jacob really? in the rocking chair. Wow. Really? Yes, indeed. Wow. That's awesome. I know. I'm like Bob from Twin Peaks. You know Bob? Yeah, Killer Bob, prop master. Really? Was he? he was. He was a prop master on the oh, show. Oh right. The story was that he. David Lynch wanted someone creepy. No, right? what really happened was, was is they were filming in the bathroom oh. and the prop guy walked up and I don't know, maybe he was creepy looking, maybe it's a thing. <laughs> but they, David Lynch saw him and it's like, you're it, you're wow. the guy. Is that wow. a thing with prop guys? Creepy. <laughs> prop guy? Yeah, we make creepy stuff too. <laughs> One of my favorite characters uh, is Miles Strong. And I thought, you know, just having the. Um, um, again, you know, with the flashbacks, the flash forwards, and also him on the island, I thought his he had the most distinct looks, you know. And he's cool. He's I love that character. Yeah, I loved his one of his you know in season four when he was on the island. He had that cool little like hoodie thing. I did. Yeah, you know, I do boards for all my characters, research uh-huh. boards, um, and you know they never. We don't know who the actor is going to be. All we have are, are is an outline and the character. And I don't remember how what they used to describe him, but. It's when we introduced all of those people, the yeah. boat people or whatever they're called. But um, for him, it's funny because my favorite influence for my favorite picture on his board, you know, I have like ten research pictures or something of different people, but was um, what's his name from the Rolling Stones, Keith Richards, yeah. and he had it, seriously, it's so weird, and he had this sleeveless vest on Levi vest, and it was all rotten and holy, and smoking a cigarette with all these things, and um. And then here comes Ken Leong, who's completely not like that. But it's still, you know, I still use that influence mm-hmm. and built around that. You know, it was some weird Armani Exchange jacket that we took the sleeves off and shortened and added a hood. And, and I think he looked kind of cool. Yeah. And then I had, funny, I had, it was weird. He was in the fitting, <clears throat> we were in the fitting room. And he was like, he was 
the, the actors, they always do this with their hands and when they're getting in the clothes for the first time. And they always like rub their fingertips, looking, looking, looking. But um, so I had this red monkey watch on because I lo- used to love those big fat watches. And I said, here, come here, put this watch on and see if you like that. And he put it on and it, for some reason, I don't know why, it was this weird thing and he just loved it and he got it, his character immediately. Wow. So I gave him my watch and got it. Four more. But, Four more. So yeah. funny, that guy. Poor Ken Leong, right? Uh-huh. Deer, in the, deer in the headlights. First day of shooting. He's from New York. Yeah. He doesn't drive. Mm-hmm. His first day of shooting. Okay, we're going to put you in a stick shift. I want you to <laughs> yeah. drive down the street, come to stop, get out of the car, grab this thing. And he's like never been to Hawaii before. Yeah. At least I don't think he'd ever been to Hawaii. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, it was hysterical. That was great. He's a good man. He's a very cool guy. Well, you know, he, I mean, his flashback, he had kind of a punk rocker look and. Was yeah, that, that was, I mean, you know. That was just written in the script. That's Damon and Carlton, yeah, you yeah. know, writing that great stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know if anybody knows, one time he, we had this one change. What was he doing? He was going to visit the the boy's father. I don't remember what he was doing, but then we put him in this, you know, corduroy jacket that was all messed up. And oh, right. then I found this T-shirt, which was amazing, which had, like, this huge shark coming up mm-hmm. and biting the polar bear. Oh, yeah. It was like, I can't believe I found that T-shirt, but it was great. I don't know if anybody saw it, but... We yeah. knew it was there. Yeah. He dug it. It was cool. So this ties in with the, you know, I'm going with props because that same episode because he was, you know, clairvoyant or something like mm-hmm. that, and he had that really weird-looking dustbuster thing that was. <laughs> well, I guess it was just a suck ghost or something because right. he was, you know, trying to talk, trying to exercise the ghost out of um, that that old, that older woman. Well, you think it was supposed to really work, or you think it was just for the people that were. <laughs> Paying money to get something right. to have happen. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like kind of a con artist type of thing. Yeah, but, I think so. But was Ghostbusters your influence for that? Yeah, it's hysterical, wasn't it? It's yeah. So funny that thing. <laughs> it was a Ghostbuster. It also looked kind of dangerous because it kind of had these kind of razor type of cycle. Right. Yeah. Like. like right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Right. Okay. <laughs> and a very cool old uh, suitcase. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> so. Um, Talking about like some of the time stamping, there's so much time stamping on the show when it comes to I mean like, the flash forwards and the flashbacks, and I think one of the giveaways when at the end of season three when you found out it's a flash forward, what Jack was actually on, that was actually a flash forward, not a flashback when he was on in L.A. I think it was a cell phone when he was like looking the cartography, he was looking at all the maps trying to get back on the island, mm-hmm. and he had this like really for some reason uh, he had a not a 2004 cell phone. Right. It was it looked. I mean, was that like a kind of like a hint or something like that? That no, was actually kind of... No, it's funny is, is that I pay real close attention to that stuff. Whenever we do flashbacks, flash forwards, I'm always making sure that the, the props that they're using, especially cell phones and things like right. that, that cell phone was made in like a release to the public in like October of 2004. Oh, really? And the scene took place in September of 2004. Oh. So I missed it by like a month, right? I mean, and you wouldn't believe oh how many fans on Lostpedia are like, that's not the right phone. That phone couldn't have, he couldn't have that phone. Yeah, yeah that was a scrub. Screw up. Okay. By a month. We by have a month. some pretty serious fans on this show. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought there was also like a um, scene where in one of the flashlights, Evangeline actually gave like like the new twenty dollar bill, right? Wasn't it like a? Not that I know of. Okay, okay. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. I just read that. That's that. I actually posted that. No, I didn't. <laughs> You're the one. Yeah, I'm the one. <laughs> but um, you know, but also that I love the 1970s look. You know, and at the end of um, season, uh, at the beginning of season two with the hatch, 
and you know, I mean, the, the introduction of Desmond when he, you know he's he's waking up and exercising and whatnot, and it kind of like had it was a completely different kind of like just almost incongruent to the to the look of the show, and like, and um, can you just talk about you know just developing that that seventies look? I mean, like the, the Toronto Jackson uh, like album covers and what have you, and. Uh, or, or both of you. Because well, I wasn't on the show at the beginning of oh, okay. season two, so okay. I can't really speak to that. I won't take any credit for that. It looked great, though. I yeah. loved watching it. But you know, but you worked on you know, but you know, with the rest of the yeah, yeah. stuff. So can you just talk about developing that? Or it's funny things? because that, even though it's, a, I think one of the amazing things about our show and what everybody, what we all do, the production designer who's a genius, um, all of it. John and Rob and all of us is we even though some of the situations are sort of you know otherworldly, but it all looks organic. I mean, it all looks like it. Sh- that's the way it should be, yeah. right? Exactly. I mean, it's really it's a lot of work to to do that. But these funny situations. I mean, the people dressed in these seventies clothes, but they're not. You know, it it kind of it works. I don't know. It works. We do a lot of cool stuff from in, in, in and around Dharma, in and around the hatch in the 70s and that mm-hmm. stuff. That it, I mean, it's like everything in there belongs there or, mm-hmm. or could have been there. Yeah. There's very, I mean, there's so many layers to the set design, the decoration, the clothes and everything. I mean, so areas. many cool things that you just never even notice. If you were to really take a look at the radios in the background, like in, we right. did this, this super, and it was like, we got a, I got a, uh, an email from one of the writers. It was, uh, I think, it might, or maybe it was Damon. He had seen this really cool round eight-track player in this in the kitchen when Hurley was working in the kitchen making his poached egg uh, sandwiches. Right. Never saw it. You never noticed it. It just. But if you were to go back and watch any of those scenes or places, there's so many layers of what's the word is, uh, you know. So layers. many layers of cool mm-hmm. timepieces in there. It's right. like not just what they're handling. It's and a lot of it's not even captured on the sh- on, on screen or maybe just a, se- a second on screen, but I guess it kind of just creates this atmosphere and makes right. the actors comfortable and, and what have you. Right. So, I mean, what I love with the show, again, yeah, because it's kind of like, because there's another great show that I love. It's called The Prisoner, and like it's very much has that you know it's like set in reality but it's got kind of like this other otherworldly sense otherworldly kind of feel to it and like when you look at shows now i mean everything's all all slick and and what have you but i'm you know like you know like i you guys just i don't know how you guys create especially you know this the, the various settings with, with you know shooting on hawaii and and you know putting it in like not only different different locations all over the world but like different different time periods as Those well. Those are the funnest things, though. Doing yeah. the locations all over the world and doing... I mean, that's... That's... I love that. That's my favorite part of it. Yeah, so, like, I mean, when you have, like, a, a street scene and in you can Berlin... you do it from here. Yeah. I mean, it's all done from here. You know, yeah. it's amazing. You guys try to make snow, you know, 87 well, degrees. That was tough. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. It's awesome. It's worth the price of admission right there. Yeah. So let's talk about the world of Dharma. I mean, like, you know, just everything is Dharma. Like, it's almost like the Kirkland of uh, secret right. societies or something like that. Like, and, and Dharma jumpsuits. I'm so happy to be out of Dharma jumpsuits. <laughs> wow. That was a lot of jumpsuits. Well, like, I mean, you know, you can talk about... All your Dharma, Dharma props are amazing. Yeah. The Dharma stuff is... Um, 
made here on island. We have a local graphics guy who makes everything that we need Dharma-wise. Um, and it literally, if it says Dharma Cola, chances are it's a can wrapped, a Coke can wrapped. If it's Dharma beer, it's non-alcoholic beer. So Josh, because he likes to feel like, um, you know, we pretty much wrap what it is. Wow. And and so if you were to, you know, if you were to buy a a can, a, uh, you know, a box of Dharma cereal at the end of the show during the auction, mm -hmm. it'll probably be cereal. Wow. You know, and it's it's cool. I mean. It, it's the easiest thing that we have. You know, when it says Dharma whiskey, I mean, great. I'm going to make a bottle of Dharma whiskey. It's not the most creative thing that, at this point because right. it's, it's been done. There is what, uh, and I know a lot of really, really good fans will notice, is there's been times where, you know, the swan hasn't been built yet. And we're in a flash forward, and we're in the, you know, whatever, the, the pearl. Uh -huh. And if you look carefully, that's tough. It's really, really hard because we use the same stuff over and over again. Uh -huh. We try to save money. You know, if I got a, a boatload of, 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 of Dharma beer uh -huh. and we're in a van scene, it might be Dharma Swan Hatch right. logo right. before the swan. It, it, something to look for. Interesting. So talking about, you know, like you use uh, a local guy to create the Dharma logo and all the, all the props and what have you. You know, just what, like, just the logistics of shooting in Hawaii, it's a very isolated place. What's the ratio between using local talent or you know, here versus outsourcing to the mainland and it goes to props and also costumes? You mean people that work with us in our department? Yeah, do you outsource, do you, like, when you need stuff designed or, or, or made, do you, is there stuff that you have, there's a lot of stuff that's outsourced or you do it all here or make it all here or it find it all here and... No, it's kind of, I, I mean, I get most of my stuff here, you, you too, right? Yeah. I st when I first started, uh -huh. I was, you know, I didn't know as many people, I didn't know as many right. venues, I didn't know as many or vendors, I didn't know, but as the years have gone on, it's definitely tilted. I mean, oh, we try to do everything we can here. Uh -huh. I mean, you know, that's, and, and as the years have gone on, it's gotten easier. We found people that can do what we need to do. And, and it's not a matter of finding people to do what we need to do, it's finding people that grasp our time frame. You know, when you want something done fast, fast to you may be different than fast right, to me. Right. So it takes, you know, it just took a while to find people that understood what, you know, what we need, when we need it, and, mm -hmm. you know, that don't just get like, you know, But it. all those vendors have certainly acclimated to our, you know, yeah, Hollywood time. Right, right, right. And they, you know, they expedite things and they put, you know, if they know that we need it in two days or tomorrow or in an hour, they... They expedite it for us. You know who does most it's of our engraving? I mean, embroidery? Sears. Yeah. Really? They're, They're amazing. The guys at Sears are awesome. <laughs> they really are. I highly recommend local yeah. Sears. They can do they can do a lot of things too. We we dreamed up detailed. Uh, we dreamed up um, Algeria Airlines blankets on right. like on Monday, and they shot on Friday, and we had thirty of them. Wow. Yeah. I mean that's and that's like a four color. It was a it was a big order and they knocked it out and they like they see us coming. I know I don't know about you, but like they oh, see yeah. me coming and they know it's like oh god, Rob's coming. Yeah. But yeah, I really it's it's gotten it's gotten good. I mean, I think that any show shot here after this will yeah. definitely have a really yeah. good base of perfect vendors. Well, maybe we should open it up to the audience now. Any any questions you have for Rob or um, Roland? Yes. How did you choose the uh, I Heart Shih Tzu shirt for Hurley? That was scripted. That was scripted, and that's, I don't know, that's somebody's dog back in Los Angeles. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but it was good, wasn't it? That was good. Yeah. That's cool.
that. How about the sweat on the collars? Do you pre-apply that, or is it, is it real? There are... A, no, well, obviously it's going to be somewhat real because they're in the jungle or wherever, but no, I mean, they, sometimes you put a little pre-apply glycerin, but usually the actors have water bottles that they're spraying themselves with constantly. But we still have to keep track of it to make sure that it doesn't go from here to down to here, you know. Yeah. In season three, when first, first meets Richard Alford, he has long hair and wearing scraggly clothes. But then in season five, we find out like... Wait, who had Scraggly? It's Richard Alpert. Richard Alpert, right. Uh-huh. Right. In season five, we find out before and after that, Richard was pretty clean cut. He had short hair and, uh, right. you know, fucking clothes. Did you mess up, or were you... Okay? <laughs> 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 Did you say? Did you mess up? Oh, no. Well, no. <laughs> Never. No. Um, you know, it, it's... Those those raggedy clothes were <clears throat> those raggedy clothes. It's it's a concept that these others go into these raggedy clothes. You know, like when when I said earlier that they're on the island for thirty years and this is what they've got. Well, that's actually that was our initial concept. But now it's that these people go into these clothes as a disguise because they were actually a sophisticated group of people. Do you know what I mean? So him being in that situation and in those clothes, I can't speak for the hair, but um, <laughs> you know that might have been his disguise when he met Ben. Up there. Uh, uh, question related to uh, the, the last panel was talking about uh, a little bit about set design and construction. And I'm just curious, uh, where does set end and prop begin? You know, I mean, what what parts are set and what parts are props? Uh, you know, they, they showed us a clip of the bomb, for example. Is that a prop, or is that part of the set? Or? What was the last part? Uh, they showed a clip of, of a bomb, for example. Was that a bomb? If, bomb room, yeah. Generally speaking, I mean, this is really general. If an actor handles it, it's mine. Um, except, you know, not a refrigerator, obviously, but if, if they pick it up and they deal with it, if, if they're making a bomb, if they're shooting a gun, any, anything that's, like, handle, handleable, that would be me. Um, big pieces that you know belong in the set. There, are, uh, that would be set dressing. But there are a lot of gray areas. I mean, a record player, uh, a telephone. Those are gray areas. Sometimes you want to let the decorator bring things in and set them up so that they they're in continuity with the rest of the set. But you know, it's just depends on what it is and who you know and what it's doing. So how do you catalog everything? You know, the, it's really the, the, the coolest and one of the most challenging things about this show is that, that nothing is ever dead. Nothing is done. I mean, we, we have in, in season six, I've looked through season one bins for things that I never thought that we would need again. And, and you need to be organized, right? I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, you, you never know what is going to come up. Because it's so cool when we go back and we shot, like, God, this was last season, right? That was last year. Yes. Okay, so when we when we see um, Claire giving birth in season one, one, right? Yeah. And then like last year we just did it again. It's like okay, so Claire had an orange blanket behind her head, and so and so had this backpack, and so and so was holding this flashlight. Those things we haven't seen or used or needed in four years. 
but they're still around. So do you have like a bin for blankets? Every a single episode. No, it's by like, episode actually. By episode, okay. I mean that's how we do everything. Everything that we do from season, you know, on you know episode five hundred five is in five hundred five's bin. Five hundred five. Okay. And we have huge warehouses filled with stuff, but that doesn't account for the things that we rent or the things that you know might have. Right. Yes. Y'all were auctioning off tons of items. I've seen a little bit of preview, and I just wondered. Uh, are there multiple, are there like duplicates of things like Sawyer's Letter? That, yes, a, definitely. I mean, I, I think that we probably at this point, I think I have, um, like, for example, Locke's knife. Yeah. I mean, his knife that he used for the majority, there's more than one lock. There was a lock knife in season one, first part of season two, then we switched to another knife, which is really Locke's knife. I think we probably have four real of those and at least four rubber knives. Um, Sawyer's letters, there's quite a few of because we've seen them finished, we've seen them fresh, we've seen him writing them. Plenty of letters. Um, yeah, so this, if it's really important, there's there's more than one of everything. Go ahead. Um, back to Jacob's cabin, is that a picture of Vincent in the cabin? And also, do you decide what books you're going What's your to? Saying? That's a picture of my dog. <laughs> it is. That's Lulu. <laughs> That's Lulu. Oh. Yeah, that's a good story. Lulu, she's the best. Um, <laughs> she's a mangy mutt. She's not. She's beautiful and gorgeous. She, um, actually, Jack Bender's daughter, Sophie, um, adopted her from the Humane Society here. And um, I don't know how long Jack was able to handle her, but not that long. And then after that, um, then I got her. And um, I don't know. It was scripted that there was a picture of a dog in the cabin, right? That, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah, and then it, there was right, and then so, and you know, Lulu's just on set a lot, and she's in Los Angeles now, but she'll be here soon. Um, she's in ninety days probation. Yeah. <laughs> no, she, well, I'm avoiding that. But um, so yeah, so then we there was a local artist I think that that they took a picture and then he painted her picture. She's gorgeous. Go ahead. Um, pertaining to that statement. Um, the artist who painted that told me that it was kind of, he was trying to replicate that of the Mona Lisa by placing the dog in the way that he was placed. Does that have anything to do with the stories, or is that just like a gimmick? The Lula Lisa. <laughs> the Lula Lisa. I don't know. I don't, I've never had a conversation with him about that, but I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead. You've already answered this a bit, but uh, do you usually get a wish list from the, the, the writers of this is exactly what we want in terms of props and, and clothing, costumes, or do you have the uh, chance to sort of be inspired by the script itself and choose the best colors or the kinds of props depending on what the, the, the context is or what the, the scene demands? You go first. The scripts are pretty specific. You know, it says, uh, you know, so-and-so has a dagger. My job from that point is to get as many pictures of daggers as I can that I think that they will like and, and, and offer up choices. This is, these are the ones that I like, and I hope you like one of them. And nine times out of ten, they will like one of them. Or I go back and I find more. But um, scripted stuff is scripted stuff. It's pretty specific, and they have a really good idea of what they want, and, and we just kind of make it as good as we can, as, as, as close to what their idea was as possible. There is plenty of times when I can go to Jack or and say, hey, you know what, it's not in the script, but it'd be kind of cool if he had this too. And they'd be like, yeah, great, that's a great idea, let's go with that. But, you know, we basically, 
break down what they give us and 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 present to them what we what we read. I mean, at least that's how I that's how I see it. I don't really get. I don't mean I, they don't really do that for me. I don't get those kind of notes in scripts. Do I? Not really. I mean, you know, they don't they don't have they don't give me that. <laughs> but then I'll give them plenty of choices to choose from, you know. So, so every time you choose your costumes or your props, you have to send a picture back to LA and say, "Is this what? Or is this to the director?" Mm, no. <laughs> no, Jack. Uh, Jack. This season, Jack Bender is can answer any question that we have, and if he doesn't, if he's not, you know, there there are sometimes when he says, "Hey, you know, send this to the guys in LA and see what they think," but for the most part. He's 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 got the he's got the you know he's driving this bus. And I think again, it's like art is one of the things that's so great about our show is that you know it, it all comes together. You know, your props are nothing without the set dressing, without the production design, without the you know each individually they kind of mean nothing until they all come together. And I think you know one of you know what I mean. Yeah. I'm not saying I, no, no, no. It's true. My stuff would look really silly if I didn't have four or five conversations with the art department. You know, when we're in the you know when we're in other Otherton or New Otherton, if if I had a different idea than they did, it it wouldn't blend, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the conversations we that we all work together with to make it all come together, whether it's the color of what somebody's wearing or the proper uh, the production design, the set dress, you know, it all comes together that way. I think just really quick, like you know, like how the original cast uh, from season one, they were basically just regular people um, on the plane, and and you know, and they kind of emerged into their kind of roles of archetype, archetypal roles. And I think once um, um, through the later seasons, when you're in, you know, when the the show was getting into um, more genre territory, I mean, I, would you say that you you had more of a, a say on the the type, like, like for example, um, Miles's costume, uh, you know, inspired by um, mm-hmm. Keith Richards and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, and so, like, you know, Ben Linus and the Freighter Folk. Um, did you have more of a, of a say when it comes to the, the design of the of the of the character? Well, like, costume. Well, I don't. I mean, or? do you have a say? I mean, uh, I mean, the ultimate say is obviously you know Jack Bender and Damon and Carlton because they they really that's their creation. Of, of course. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is, like, you know, for example, if you had a scientist and then you had, like, and they were very archetypal when, versus, like, season one where right. just people just... They're more character. Yeah. You mean they're more character-driven? Yeah. 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 I mean, my reference, my research for Ben Linus was, you know, Burt Lancaster mm. from, what was it? They're all on the island. Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, Dr. Moreau. I mean, in those sort of three-piece linen suits. And it was just, I, you know, and they, you present, I present those ideas and they like them or they hate them and... They kind of liked it. So, cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think that's where we get to do what we do. Our input is is we get, you know, we have you have a new character, I have a new prop. We get to present how we see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's and that's that's where I mean you're you know when I mean as I see it and now I'm going to talk for Roland for a second. <laughs> um, you know when <laughs> there's part. a new character, I, the way I see it is it, is like he gets to go through and do his process and come up with these boards of. This is how I see Ben Linus, and they are either on board or they're not. But you, you, I mean, you definitely do create it. You design it, and yeah. they either sign off on it or they don't. Because I don't think that they've ever come to you and said, you know, we want him to look like this before you've had a chance to 
do what you do. Only this season. <laughs> I just wanted to know how... I think you guys are really successful in making the extras, the other survivors, be so indistinct and, and non-memorable so that we don't keep seeing somebody in the background except for the two that died. Uh, that would, right. But, I mean... Like even when Sawyer said, "Who are you people?" I thought right. that was a great line. But uh, the action that you actually can keep all these other extras to be so indistinguishable—is mm-hmm. that intentional? Do you just dress them up in black and white, <laughs> gray shades of gray, so they don't stand out? Well, it, yeah, you mean like season one, the beach survivors? Season yeah. one through wherever you see. Or- Survivors that you never know who they are because they're all like different. If you're talking about specifically on the island, on the island, yeah. Um, I, I don't know that you dress them to disappear. Obviously, I think I, I would probably dress the, our principal actors to stand out a bit. Stand out. But um, I mean, there are certain situations when I remember doing season four. You know, the uh, the bar in Berlin in Said's episode. I mean, I certainly, I mean, it was just sort of a, a more of an upper-level um, socioeconomic and trendy bar, so I didn't dress them any differently. No, I think it's what I'm talking but the about, beach, the ones that are always there. Yeah, the beach survivors, yeah. To see continuity. Yeah, they're kind them, of drab. Which is sort of interesting. You know, and then we have those traveling others that are in the sort of, you know, all the sure. scarves and South African feeling stuff. And our actors still do stand out from those people. So maybe, yeah. And you just hire ugly people. I'm just kidding. We'll get extras casting here. There are, there are, you know, everybody on the crew, we've known these people for four or five years now. So if, you know, it could be an AD or somebody say, you know what, we can't have him this close because we know we saw him, you know, it's like the crew kind of polices ourselves. We know, and the extras also, they're they're pretty straightforward about it. You know, you saw me pretty good last, you know, you, you might not want to put me. But for the most part, I think that everybody behind the camera on our set is aware of, you know, because we have seen, you know, we've had 25, 30 people as part of our, uh, as part yeah. of our family for a long yeah. time. And it is, you know, you could probably see them more than once. Let's talk about going back to, you know, the island Dr. Moreau and Ben Linus. Like, because he is, you know, when he emerges himself as, you know, the other's leader and elegantly dressed, you know, and and I always found him to be impractically dressed for such tropical weather, you know, like, but, but at the same time, but like, you know, because he's always very, he's hiking, but he's like imperfect, you know, it's like, well, he's, I mean, if you know Michael, he's just one of the most civilized people <laughs> that you've ever met. He's just a lovely, lovely guy. And, um. So the, the, the you know so Michael himself kind of really influenced kind well, of well sort of but his character does I mean you know he's not part he's at least he considers himself his character does you know up here mm-hmm. then and these are the people that are doing things and that he manipulates <laughs> to do things for him so he's always a little bit pressed and mm-hmm. you know those striped linen shirts or you know his linen suits that he that was season three I think but yeah. he hasn't been in that stuff for a while that's true but to you know to get that character going. Yeah, I like that about him. I like that civility about him. Go ahead. Um, I actually have two questions. One is kind of similar to the question before only concerning Claire. There is at one point she's got this black hair and she's totally goth. And we never really see that again. And I'm not, I was never really sure how that fit into the time frame. Um, she's working at the record store, but her mom's in the coma already. Is she pregnant? Is she not pregnant? Um, I know who that was. 
What season was yeah. that? That season was season one. That was, that was no. if I'm not mistaken, Three. that was the reason, or one of the reasons, that Christian Shepherd went to Australia to meet his daughter. And that was right before, oh, right. like the week before he died in Australia, and that's... That would make her pregnant then at that time. Right? Right? She wasn't that's pregnant. She wasn't pregnant when she did that. Cause she, no, 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 she had a broken arm, though, right? We had she a cast on her. No, yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't remember that. Are you talking about like Claire? Claire? Yeah. Claire. Claire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, she had a cast on. Well, she, she was in a car accident. Yeah, she was in a car accident. But yeah. she wasn't pregnant. No, she wasn't pregnant, no. No, that was, that was in Australia. Yeah, that was in Australia. Yeah. That was, yeah. Christian made two trips. I know he made yes. several trips. You're right. He did. He went to go meet his daughter. Right. Who she... I don't know that stuff. That's a Greg Nation stuff. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll get Call Greg Yeah. Yeah. Get on. Um, and then the second question. Ryan, can um, we get on? Did you deliberately place Julia in a red shirt um, before her demise? Yeah. Oh, that's a red shirt. A red no, shirt. I did not. Again. <laughs> is, that a, is that a Star Trek thing? That's yeah, a Star, Star Trek, Trek thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did not. That's funny. Yes, no, did. I thought I saw I did not. No, I did not. She no. looked great. She looked great sitting on the beach drinking that bottle of whiskey. Oh, yeah. the, I like yeah, that scene. Yeah. No, it's just one of those things where you don't know how long a character is going to have to be in that because you don't know when they're going to write a situation for someone to change. Do you know what I mean? And obviously on the island you don't want people to change all the time. But they have, and that's one thing that I do is like, even if they do change on the island, I make it very similar to what they were before, so you don't notice it that much. You know? I just felt like, oh, but no. no. <laughs> Juliet's going down, she's got a red shirt on. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> a tip for those of us who don't know the That's thing. good, no. Note to self. Yeah. Each person that bites it gets a yeah, red shirt. Yes. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, I have one question for Roland and one uh, for you as well. Um, Roland, for uh, for costumes, uh, I remember a scene where both Evangeline Lilly and uh, I, uh, Elizabeth played Juliet were both covered in mud. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm just wondering <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. how you dealt with costume issues when you get with weather or mud or anything like that. You mean how did we get the money because they just jumped into a mud pit? Well, no, no, no. Well, I'm but, just saying, like, how do you did you keep them afterwards? Like the, the costumes themselves, you have to clean it up. Well, you know you do. You know you. There's a thing. You know it, they can't really be in real mud because of the germs and, and the things that breed in that. So yeah, you know they're in the mud, and then to keep you know continuity is that we are saying afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Then we make it. Then we do it. No, because they're still in those clothes for God knows how many episodes. Oh, right. You know, because they don't go and change right away. So we have to then put movie dirt on it to make it look like the mud that you guys just saw and keep the continuity of that. And then, you know, as naturally it would do, when it dries off, it flakes off, and then you pull back mud. Yeah. It's very technical. Also, just I know this comes with props, uh, all the action sequences, like the weapons, because I know there are a lot of uh, action sequences. I'm wondering, uh, well, just how uh, you go about dealing with all the weapons on set and how that goes on. I have a question for you. Where'd you get that shirt? Oh, well, I, I interned with you guys in season three. Oh, right on. I was part of the ACM. Uh, 
Nice. Oh, cool. Um, <clears throat> we have rubber weapons when needed. We have retractable weapons when needed. We have you know a lightweight aluminum when needed. We have non-guns. Uh, we have full flash guns, half flash guns. It, you know every every fight sequence kind of dictates its needs. So there's you know there's there's pretty much a way to do everything based on you know we can we can stick an axe in your chest if we need to, and you know it can do you stay mold those there. Yourself? Do you like cast them all those? No, yourself? I have people. I have people. <laughs> wow, that's so ominous. No, I don't know how to mold, but, um, but yeah, we do. I, I will if take. You pick the, I'm sorry, because I don't know this. But if, if you choose a weapon like a gun or something, a specific one. I mean, obviously right. they don't have 15 rubber ones behind, right. so you have to send that somewhere to cast it. Well, Gene, I always try to find stuff that has pre-existing molds. Oh. oh but okay. if I can't, if we choose something that cannot be, that it doesn't exist, then there are a couple, we have a guy on set, I mean, in, in our construction uh, department who can do it. Right. And if he's busy or can't do it, then there's people in Los Angeles that will do it right. for me and, and make, you know, you make a mold of a knife and then you can, and that mold lasts forever. Then you can make, like Locke's knife, we have a mold for. And, you know, a rubber knife would last you two or three episodes at best if you're really using it a lot. So, you know, that we just, once you made the mold, you can pour a knife and have it painted right. over and over again. Cool. Yes? Favorite aspect of the job is it the challenge of finding all the right pieces, or is it when it actually gets used in the show, or what? What's your, what was your question again? Sorry. Um, My favorite part is that what you said? Yeah, like finding the things, or, or what part it takes on in the show, or. You know, finding a great prop is really, really exciting for me. You know, if 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 I read something where you know it's like. I don't know what it could be. A knife, since we're talking about knives. I love finding a really cool knife that I know that the actors are going to enjoy working with, that director's going to like. Um, but on, there's things that, you know, making stuff is also really exciting for me. You know, when, when I can draw something and show it to somebody and say, this is what I have in mind, and then, you know, three weeks later, they see it in, in real life, and they're like, oh, my God, this is better than the drawing. I like that, too. Um, you know, I like all of it. I love everything about what I do. There's no, there's not one part of my job that I don't enjoy. So, can you, can you mention like a couple of the things that you've actually made that you like your favorite props? Favorite prop that I've made? Yeah. I can't tell you what my favorite prop that I made is because you you'll see it this year. But I I enjoyed I enjoyed making the bomb. Um, the big bomb that blew up the ship. Although, funny, want to hear a funny story? Yeah, story. Yeah, that's cool. I worked. Gene will attest to this. I worked on that bomb. I did. We did drawings. We got it approved. Start making this bomb, and it's big. I don't know how many of you saw the bomb on the boat, but it was big. Oh, we did. Okay, so anyway, we make this bomb, right? And there's lots of pieces to it, and there's tons of C4. Oh, right, they did a DVD thing on it. So anyway, I make the bomb. It's all dialed in. It's all good, and it works on Friday. Today's Friday. Uh, Damon and Carlton are coming in this morning. So, hey, great, let's show Damon and Carlton the bomb. So Damon and Carlton come in, and they see the bomb on the boat in the set three hours before we're supposed to do it, and they're like, you know, Rob, we saw it a lot bigger. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We rushed, I mean, that bomb was twice as big three hours later. Yeah. Wow. Literally, we said, I mean, we had production assistants, prop people. Um, our production manager at the time was in there wrapping wood blocks to make it look like C4. So anyway, that was fun. Um, that was great. 
I don't know. I like I like a lot of the stuff that we've made. I can't think of it. Like I said, my favorite two props I, I've made this year. So I hope you like them. Teeth. No, I'm not even going to say it. I get in trouble. So, like, you know, working so oh, many years. Oh, why Working so many years uh, as prop master, you, I mean, you must accumulate a lot of stuff. Do you have, like, a, a personal secret stash of super props that you kind of, like, will go back? For me personally? Yeah, like, yeah, I'm going to yeah. take home with me? No, no, I mean, like, over the years, you've got, like, a, you know, you know it's, I did. personal stash, uh, and you maybe. I, I did. I connect with the, you know, you, you do a breakdown. Like, I have that. I have that. It's like at home in LA and you try to grab it or. It's, but no, it's usually not so much. You know what I have? I have a lot of. I thought you were going in a different direction, so I'm okay. going to give you two answers. Go, go for it. I used to collect props. Okay. I used to collect my favorite stuff, and I had a lot of autograph stuff, and I had a room full of stuff, and um, lots of stuff. And I mean, really, a lot of stuff. And I gave it away to a charity, and How it was stuff. It yeah. was, it was exactly. the like, coolest what's, what's thing I've ever done. I've, I, and ever since then, I don't really collect huh. too much, too many. You know, I, if you went into our home, you would see nothing. You would not know what I do for a living. Huh. Not one. Nice. Not one thing. But you, you could be an accountant or something like her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I could. <laughs> But anyway, uh, I have watches, I have rings, I have sunglasses, I have a kit that uh, we can use. I mean, you know, if we have, you know, if we're doing exterior Los Angeles street and we need 15 people with backpacks or briefcases or people jogging, all of that kind of stuff, I have. Yeah. I have tons. I have a 40-foot trailer filled with stuff. But as far as, like, you know, the things specific to any given show, I pretty much, I pretty much custom order, custom made. You know, that way we know that I have two of them mm-hmm. if I need them. You know, when you know, lot of, I hear a lot of stories when you know when a sh- when a show or a movie ends. Um, you know, I'm not saying that you will do this, but some some people kind of take their favorite things. You know, like their favorite props or favorite costumes. Theoretically, what would be your favorite favorite thing that you would theoretically steal from? <laughs> when, the, when, the, when the show closed, when the show shuts down, or you know what, I would probably do. I it, I would probably have a drive shaft ring. Okay, I think that's cool. And that wasn't even mine. I I, I inherited those, but I like them. Um, what else do I like? How many of those are there? I think there's four. Four. I think there's four drive shaft rings. Um, that's about it. I don't think that I would. Again, there are a couple of things that I've done this year that I really, really, really like. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't get them. How about either. mounting the poor bear, like I on the wall bear. bear? Okay. <laughs> I thought we covered that. Yeah, bear's dead. Yeah, the bear's dead. Bear's dead. How about you, Roland? Do you any? No. Um. I would take a lot of Roland stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I would go crazy. Like what? All the clothes. I love clothes. Clothes. <laughs> no, I do too. But I have something. Um, I would take the chicken suit. Oh, yeah. I love the chicken suit. That's one of my favorite things in the world. I have the thing that goes on the bus. And I've always wanted to wear it. I have the thing that goes on the Wow. The chicken head. There's things that, that, like, if if I'm manufacturing something, um, whether it's on a film or television show or whatever, and you do prototypes, Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And if a prototype turns out really well, not the finished product, but I'll take a prototype just so I remember the pattern of what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Because that sort of reference is always good to have. Because you'd be surprised how much you know you use in different. Right. You know, not the same exact thing, but a pattern of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, you mentioned the dirt. I always felt so sorry for those, an actor 
picture in that mug. So what is it made out of? I thought it was real mud. Well, when they were in that scene, <clears throat> that was real mud. Oh. They were, I mean, but it was, I don't know, what did they put in that, Jim? It's... Like chocolate something? It's basically completely sanitized, yeah. baked so there's no microorganisms, anything made out of non-allergenic, except some of it I think is like walnut powder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's crushed walnuts. <laughs> Uh, huh. uh, so we have to be careful they don't have a nut allergy. Right. But it's, it's very... So we can eat it. There's a lot. The best way to say it is hygienic dirt. Yeah. Is, is it expensive? Very. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, they heat it. Right? Doesn't Archie heat it a little bit, too? So when they're in there rolling around in it, it isn't... Oh, yeah. No, we warmed it. We warmed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they ain't fighting warm mud. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of the dirt that's on actors, that you know, the movie dirt that, that people... Well, it's some of it, you know from you know 40 years ago is carcinogenic so we um we don't use that anymore we sort of try and go with like ground nutmeg and ground shells and that sort of stuff so it's more natural and it's really effective yes that's a good question no chance no chance <laughs> what she say oh uh, she wanted she wanted a job like yours what would, what would she do how how would she what career track, what school, or how? Do you live here? The best way to get a job here is to go to this local, the local union, and put yourself on a waiting list. And when they hire everybody in the union that's working, they go to the waiting list and they hire apprentices, or they hire uh, permits. They call them permits? And, and you get in, and, and you need to work as a permit for 30 days, and you may be working in camera, you may be working as a grip, you may be working in set dressing, Whatever that case may be, and you'll meet a lot of people. And, and, and over time, because in my opinion, here in Hawaii, you really need to be part of the local to, to have a shot at making a living in the film industry. Um, because they, have, they really take care of their members, and they do almost everything that comes to Hawaii is a union job. So call the local, ask to be put on a waiting list, and, and, and wait. Or but it's this young girl up here, right? Right, or maybe theater, you know, local theater. Do get a job, you know, or volunteer in local theater so you, at least you learn what it is Roland's crew does or my crew does or, you know, the construction crew does or whatever you're interested in. That would be my advice. But go to school <laughs> and study. I mean, if you want to be a costume designer, if you want to be a prop man, I mean, go get to art school. I mean, I don't know if there's situations here, but UH Manoa has that, those sort of programs. But, you know, find maybe something that you're really interested in and try and, and have that direction and really do everything you can to do it. Because, I don't know, I, I think for all of us on our show, our department heads and, and, and everybody else, we love what we do. Because you have to. I mean, for the hours, the amount of hours that you're doing it a day, you have to love it. And luckily, I think we all work with people that really love what they do. Yeah. So, you know, it's a gift. Yes. Uh, is the Forto statue a miniature or a CG or both? <laughs> what do you say? Is the Forto statue a miniature or a CG or both? both. That's not a prop. Not a department. That was uh, actually um, uh, Jim Jim Van Houten, who's our uh, sculptor on island. Uh, he's part of our crew. He actually uh, sculpted that out of um, out of um, uh, styrofoam. And then they, they took it from there, and it 
yeah, it was like it was like four feet tall, and they went from there. Wow, did I say something wrong? <laughs> um, anyway, they, and then CGI took it from there, right? I mean, it's it's a combination of, of our sculptor and and com, com, computer graphics. And is it supposed to be, you know, if it's supposed to be Anubis, Thomas, or Sobek? Sorry, what? <laughs> who is it supposed to be, Anubis, Thomas, or who? Sobek. That's up to. I, I don't know. I'm Gene sorry. knows. Tarat. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's Roland, you said you had a background in psychology. Mm -hmm. How did that go to costume? I didn't hear that part, or maybe you said it. I don't know that I said it. <laughs> but, uh, um, when I finished school, I just knew that I didn't want to be um, a therapist. And, um, oh my gosh, that's a whole long story. Oh my gosh. <laughs> did you go to school for costume? No, I did. I, I did not. Okay, um, that's what I'm. Because you told her to go to school. But. Yeah, absolutely. But I went at a, a different way. You know, I started styling photo shoots, um, and then commercials and music videos, and then got a film and started assisting designers. And luckily, they happened to be really amazing costume designers, um, and learned. You know from, you know, science fiction, you know, Bob Ringwood who did all the Batman films and Dune, and um, I actually worked on Pleasantville and, you know, these films, so you learn that way. That's one way. Oh, yes. Season 5 finale, um, what were your specific instructions in terms of Jacob's clothes and the man in black? And in the same scene, uh, did you cook Jacob's fish? <laughs> I think that, that fish was cooking on that because so cool. it was so hot, wasn't it? Yeah. Did you like that net thing? That was one of my favorite props from last season. That was kind of neat. That's cool. That was made by a guy here. A local guy made that for me. I found a picture on the internet that I liked, and he made it in like three days. Or good. Did you notice that those were freshwater fish? Oh, really? <laughs> Nobody noticed? You guys are supposed to be fans. <laughs> those were freshwater fish right out of the ocean. <laughs> Hey, we get what we get, exactly. right? <laughs> yes, we did cook it right there. A moment cooked it for us, and we kept it hot on the stage. The rock was actually hot, so it kept it warm. And the the uh, what was that? It was a tea leaf, right? We put it on tea leaf. Yeah, that was us. But it was hot out there. Oh it my was gosh! Hot. Was that Makua? Yeah. Yeah. Pray for sex rock or whatever that is. Well, I don't know. That's what it says right on it. Spray painted. We have to take it out every time we film there. Right? It says spray pray for sex rock. That's where we film wow. that. I never noticed that. But um, <laughs> uh, for me, they only told me one man's dressed in black and one man's dressed in white. And it was just a period thing, you know. This is the period that they would have been there. And, um, okay, so you chose the loose clothing and the loose pants. Right. Without, well, it's actually, I mean, it's not period correct because it would have been something else. But to make it non, more nondescript and non... Yeah, I just redesigned it to make it look a little bit looser. We made that belt on the beach that day. That rope belt. We did. Yeah. Roland and I collaborated on that belt yep. right there on the spot. <laughs> we need a belt, quick! That was the last minute. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, thank you. So in the second master class, they were talking about a scene where they were digging a pit and it had a flash of blood and filled up and they had 12 hours to figure out how to clear it. Do you guys have any prop and wardrobe nightmare stories? Do you have any props? Or wardrobe nightmare stories? I have a funny okay. story. Think about that. Go for it. We were, we were going to uh, the Big Island to film the polar bear. And uh, 
it was kind of last minute. I mean, we had time. It wasn't that big of a deal, but it was a big deal to pull it together and do it. And we had like me and one of my assistants, and we have the polar bear, which is a huge megilla, and uh, lock stuff. And then we have this Tonka truck. And it's like a, you know, a vintage late 60s Tonka truck, supposed to be really in good shape or whatever this deal is. So we get there, right? And we're filming and we're chucking all this stuff down. We're chucking all this stuff. And our director at the time, I, you know, I walked up to him and I was like, hey, you know, he had seen it before, but I showed him, you know, I'd showed him, I wanted to show him again. He's like, well, here's the Tonka truck. I just want to, you know, but I'm going to care. And one of the PAs like, man, I thought it was going to be bigger. Hmm. And I was like, Rob, do you have a bigger Tonka truck? I mean, he's right. It should be bigger. That stuff gets Soft. infectious. That, I mean, when, when a PA decides that they want to, wow. you know, chip in ideas last yeah. minute yeah. on a different island, uh-huh. <laughs> that would qualify as a prop nightmare. Yeah. But, you know, we killed him. And spirit on the big island, yeah. Was that, the, was that the only time you went, you filmed on another island? Or was that the... Yeah, yeah. that's the only time we've gone. We went to, we went to the big island. We filmed on the island of England. You did. Oh, oh yeah, right. of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Long Island, right? Didn't they go to New York? They went to New York one time and shot somebody. Who? Yep. Oh, that's oh, right. Really? Oh, that's right. Wow. There you go. That's good. I didn't remember that. We don't have wardrobe nightmares. <laughs> no, we actually I, we don't really. I I don't. Let me think. Because you have oh. so many copies of there. <laughs> no, wardrobe I mean no. I don't know. We just have a really good crew that sort of, I don't know. No, we don't. No. That's my answer. <laughs> oh, I have another one. Oh, oh yeah, go for it. We had the, uh, made the, um, made a, f- a fake boar. And uh, oh, and we're like, and we're filming on the, we're filming on the North Shore at Police Beach, and I'd shown Jack the boar, shown Jack pictures of the boar. The boar's all good. It's a night shot, and and uh, at five o'clock on a Friday night, I get a phone call from my assistant. Jack hates this boar. We're not shooting this boar. And I was like, I showed it to him. I know he likes. It. He's like, no, the Greens guy said it doesn't look anything like a real boar. <laughs> So I had to drive all the way out to Police Beach at five o'clock on a Friday night With and what? brush the boar's hair and go find find this green sky and tell him, listen, you're going to come up to Jack with me and you're going to tell him it looks better because we are going to shoot this boar tonight. Did they shoot it? Yeah, and it was fine. It looked ended up looking great, but it's like again, was helpful he, crew. And was he killed? Was he killed too? <laughs> That's the beauty of being here. Everybody's like, they're just so honest. And yeah. Yeah. it's like, hey, you know, that looks like shit. I would never. <laughs> Sometimes. Oh, sorry, Anna. <laughs> there was, of course, the whole polar bear as well in the first season. I guess but I don't know if you were there already. But I think What's up? The whole polar bear issue in the, first, the very first season where uh, it looked really bad jumping out and then they have to say. Yeah, it did, huh? Yeah. Well, the anonymous <laughs> green, uh, we ended up seeing the good version, but I think they had problems with. Uh, you know, the very I wasn't oh here. I wasn't here with the Pujins laughing because she hates the bear worse than I do. But the very first, my introduction to the bear was watching its back above the bushes. You know, and it looked like a bad cartoon. Um, CGI's done some pretty amazing stuff, though. They've really helped us out a few times. Yeah, I think that we ended up getting it pretty good towards when we saw it in the cave. It was pretty scary. Yeah, that was good. That's the, that's the one when. He dragged Mr. Echo into the yeah. game, right? Okay. Any other questions? Yes. Oh, 
How do you keep track of all the different guns on the show? It seems like they've been exchanged so much between characters, between the others, and the How do you know who has what? Well, the first two seasons, it was much more critical than it is now because we've introduced so many guns right. in so many different places that you know everybody and their sister has a gun now so it's really not that you know it, we rationalize and we keep track of you know so and so took the gun from so and so and now they have the gun and then they lost the gun and so and so got the gun we know where where we track them all do you track we, all that yeah i do greg wow. nations used to do it and then now we do it together and like I said, though, there's just so many now that it's just, you know, and every, we, you know, one of the reasons we keep a backpack on a lot of the actors is in case something comes up where we need to come up with something that we didn't necessarily have. They're magic backpacks. They have, they have everything in them. Anything you could possibly oh, want is in a backpack. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Except for an axe. Right. <laughs> yes. I can't even see you talking. She said, uh, um, have you looked back at any of the rest yeah. and see if there was a mistake or anything cheesy? That we don't have to. There's like a million people that you do all. it for us. <laughs> I kid you not. You don't look back. We only look forward. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I've, they don't find that many, though. I mean, yeah, I honest, they, they have... You mean, are we critical of our own work, though, yeah. right? I tell you yes. what, this, yeah. All the time. Yeah, and this show is really, bad. this show's really taught me to be really, I mean, I've never had the kind of scrutiny that we have here. You know, it's like, they, people will screen grab and read and, you know, names on x-rays, uh, names on files, names on anything. So, I mean, we have to be uh, really, really, really careful on this show. And, and, you know, I think it's made us better at what we do Absolutely. because you really are conscious of, of, Everything that you put on the screen, because somebody is going to figure. I mean, like I said, the cell phone. I missed that by a month. Any other show? Yeah. Nobody catches that. I have an economic question. I don't know if you guys can answer, but I know Gene's back there. How much has lost helped the economy of Hawaii? Because I know it has. Gene's really good to answer that because I know she's done so. Directly, not indirect. Well, I guess indirect. A lot of. Her, they was just completely separate. We should just have a separate conversation. Okay. But it has been a positive. Oh, definitely. Once upon a time on a show, I don't remember what it show it was, a long time ago, a long, long time ago, they were curious about that. So they gave everybody on the crew their per diem one week and $2 bills. And oh, they, it was it was un, it was astounding where those two dollar bills ended up, and it was, it was really enlightening to the community as to just how far-reaching mm. our money goes. Because you know, even in addition to the money that we spend on the show directly, all of the people that are here that are making a good living are taking their kids out to dinner, are, are going to good schools, are buying, you know, upgrading their homes. Doing it's it's amazing how much a, a film can help the economy. I mean, it's really, you, you, you think about the, the, what's the mushroom effect, or what's that called, where, you know, just like, it's, it's pretty astounding. That's one of the reasons, though, that it's nice to be able to do, like, you know, buy all, from us, buy all our wardrobe, That's everything about. here. It's really, it's, it, it's a good feeling. Well, some of the props you made personally. I made the vacuum. I made the, those really cool uh, 
what's that character's name? Uh, the, the blue glasses that like had the LED lights. Oh, yeah. I made those. Who's I made that? the bomb. That was um, Alex's boyfriend was wearing them when he was oh, being re-educated. And I made a lot of, you know, a lot of the beachy backgroundy stuff. It just depends on how much time I have and, and how important it is. I made some of the cooler stuff. A lot of stuff I don't have time to sit and build like I would like to, but I have a lot of really good craftsmen, I mean, in our in, within our crew and outside of our crew that can make some pretty amazing stuff. Are you making more this season? Shush. I'm just, just asking. He said he made your favorite, your favorite two props from this coming season, right? Yeah. Sure. You got a question? Uh, actually, as far as like a, a budgeting question, I remember uh, helping you out, Roland. Actually, I helped you get like a six hundred dollar leather jacket or something. I was just wondering, is like, you guys get a, a good budget for like to get certain props or costumes or whatever? It's 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 episode specific. I mean, you you do a budget for every episode. There's a pattern budget that we have that the studio sets. You know what I mean? But sometimes you don't spend all that money. But most of the time, <laughs> you know, they write big episodes, so it, it, you do what is required. Just asking, um, as working on Lost in these two jobs, I mean. Has Lost specifically been different than other uh, typical television shows or, uh, or movies, I guess? And has, has, has the show set a new standard in, in, uh, in costumes and props or not really? It's just like, it's the same process every time. Uh, I think every... Uh, well, I've never been... I've, this is the first television show I've worked on. Okay, well, but the process of growing with these characters... It's such an amazing show. I, I don't know how to say it. I mean, every however often we get a script is, it's just there's so much to do and it's so it's so different every time and it, it's just the most amazing learning experience being here and developing these characters and these situations for the last five and a half years. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Instead of being confined to one area, you're you have different countries, different time periods. Uh, it's I think it's one of the least confining shows for a designer. To, to be in, yeah, you know, I have other friends that do Criminal Minds and and other shows in Los Angeles, and shoot me if I have to do a Criminal Minds. You know, I I don't know, I can't do it. So what does this mean for you in the future? Are you gonna look for? Wow, that's a good question. <clears throat> that's a good question. It's gonna be really, it's gonna be difficult after doing a show like this. Do you know what I mean? Where you're given so much creative freedom and so many, so many avenues to go down. It's it's hard. You know, if you're doing, what's the Grey's Anatomy? They're in Scrubs every day. I mean, what do you do? Or House? I mean, they're on a soundstage every. You know, very fortunate. Ugly Betty's different, but I think those characters are a bit of. But you know, I think that this show has made every single person who works on it better. There's no doubt that that you cannot leave this experience. You not go away from working on this show, not and not be better at what you do. I mean, just because of, um, for all the reasons that Roland mentioned and the fact that, you you know, we've had to be so in tune with continuity and, and, and consistency and, and the dealing with the elements and the logistics and everything involved in the show. It's kind of double-sorted. It's, it's, it's made us all better, but it's a real tough act to follow. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, did, I worked on 24, and 24 has got a lot of continuity issues. It doesn't hold a candle to this show. 
you, there's no comparison. And and I don't think that I don't think there's going to be another lost, at least not for a long, long time. You know, I know there's it's great. It's been an awesome experience, mm-hmm. and I think that it's it's definitely been the, the the toughest show I've ever worked on, and the most fulfilling at the same time. Yeah. Question. In your line of work, uh, do you enjoy, for recreational purposes, watching TV or movies, or do you find yourself just looking at the costumes you're wearing or the props in their hands? Or you know, th- does this kind of take that uh, enjoyment out of your life and turn it into work? Or not for me. I love going to the movies. Yeah, I, I, I don't watch so much television, but I love going to the movies. You um, watch lots. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's a good show, but. Um, <laughs> You know, I love watching Lost because I don't spend as much time on the set as I would like to. So when I watch Lost, I get it's to see a different experience for us. I get to see yeah. what my guys have been doing and what the crew's been doing. And and as far as the answer to your question, if a show is good, if a movie is good, I don't think about anything but enjoying it. When it gets bad, if I start watching something like you know a TV show that sucks, then I'll pick it apart. You know, I tried to watch. I won't say what show. I tried to watch a show this season, a new show this season. In the first five minutes, it was like the worst operating scene I'd ever seen and crazy nonsense. And I was like, and I turned it off. I just like, I can't. I'll tell you later. <laughs> so what are your influences? What are your favorite movies? That... Costume-wise or just period? How about costume-wise? Yeah. Well, there's no way. But I do like it. Um, Which film? Costume-wise, he just said Lord of the Rings. I did Troy. I, how can you do it? No. Um, it's this Italian movie called The Leopard, which is one of my favorite costume movies ever. Il Gattapardo. Um, Visconti film. That's my, probably my favorite costume movie. Oh, I'm not even going to answer that question after that response. Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> my favorite prop movie that I could think of is the inside job, or the Italian job. That was a great prop movie. I know the prop guy, and uh, if you look at the safe-cracking stuff and the tools and the, the attention to detail in that movie, I mean, recent memory, that's mm-hmm. that was a great prop show. Not some hootie Sorry. <laughs> did, that, did the leopard inspire you to go into costume design? Or no, uh, just... no. But it's it, if you can't watch that movie and not be inspired by everything, it's just it's a great movie. It's phenomenal. It. Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. Don't yeah. you like? It's like Kurosawa's films. I mean, my God, they're. My dad was the prop yeah. master on uh, yeah. Caddyshack. That was the prom master of Caddyshack. That made me want to be a prom. <laughs> wow! I had that. I had that thing that uh, squirrel in our in his garage. Nice. And, uh, That's and, cool. Uh, and we had the uh, we had the golf bag with the beer tap. <laughs> yep. And Charlie's Angels. Okay. Yeah, I'm still a kid on Charlie's Angels set. This the series. Yeah, my dad was the prom master on Charlie's Angels too. Farrah Fawcett. She was yeah. cool. She's yeah. hot. Yeah, she dead. Well, she's <laughs> still hot. Gosh. She died. She's t- <laughs> wow. She's deteriorating rapidly. Yeah. Wow. Me or him? What was the question? Any movies, prop plays inspired? Um, I don't know if that's job, but like, but you know, I 
I respect and enjoy watching movies all. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of, of the movies. And, and if I go to a movie and I watch somebody else's work that I believe is authentic and a lot of thought went into it, it inspires me. Everything, Absolutely. if it's bad, it's bad. But I, I'm constantly amazed. That I have a friend of mine who's, um, we, you know, both, we're both second generation prop masters, and he's now doing um, Transformers and, and those kind of movies. And I, and I go and I watch these movies that they do, and it's just, it's, it gives me chills to think about all the stuff that he's, he's being able to create and being asked to design and make and, and how cool. And he's one of my contemporaries. He's like, he's on my hockey team back in LA, you know. We're just good friends. And to see those guys go up the ranks and, and make great movies and awesome props is inspiring. So any, any movie that somebody's putting their heart into really inspires me. Yeah, no, I agree. But you can even be inspired by bad work. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, you can. Like bad what? Well, I don't know. You can. I mean, I was just thinking of the island of Dr. Moreau. I mean, okay. some of it is like it's bad, but you can be inspired by it and then right. put your own twist on it. Do you know what I mean? So. You learn what not to do. Constantly. <laughs> yeah. Any other questions? Go ahead. You have the last question. Um, I have questions about two scenes. Uh, one is uh, season five is the, or the registration barrack at um, the Dharma, Dharmaville. Uh, we see it run down uh, when Sun and uh, who goes back? Uh, Lepidus. Uh, they go back to the, to the barracks and it's a run down registration barrack. Now, uh, I don't know if you, you know this or if uh, we had, maybe we had never seen it before when the others used to live there. Was, was this always supposed to be run down, or was this something that uh, could have been caused by a change in the timeline or something? I don't know if this is something that you can answer. That was a change in timeline, wasn't yeah, it? We yeah, we ran it down to, to show a, a, to, a lapse in time. Yeah, when Christian found, like we showed, in that, if I'm not mistaken, we had like all the Dharma family photo, I mean like the, uh, the Dharma initiative photos, and then, yeah, that was, that was meant to show, you know, 20-some-odd 20, 20 years had gone by. Okay, and the, uh, the, actually there were two other scenes. One scene, just a quick question, the Ajira uh, airplane, of course it was CGI when it was landing, but when we see it in the field later, is that a, um, a real plane? Or is this Which one? Ajira, the, the plane in, uh, in season five. So uh, far, I believe that's all been CGI. It's, even, though, even though it's just sitting there on the, on the island. Mm -hmm. Okay, and last one is um, the scene, um, again, season five, or season, uh, season four actually, with Miles with the vacuum cleaner going upstairs. Uh, uh, the vacuum cleaner was CGI. Uh, and again, I don't know about this. First of all, was that all shot in one day, that whole scene he goes up the steps and back down the stairs? Yes, that house was... W no, I'm sorry, the, the bedroom was built on stage. Okay, now, I'm, I'm only asking because I noticed there were those pictures uh, going up the stairs, right. the stairs on the wall. Um, of what? Family photos. Yeah, family photos. And again, I, I may be just remembering incorrectly, so correct me if I'm wrong, but when he goes up and comes back down, it seems like the pictures were rearranged or not in the same uh, place. Uh, is this something that, hmm. am I wrong, or was this something that was... Let me get Carol, the set restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're probably not wrong, I mean, because it seems like you've spent a lot of time watching, so <laughs> I would say that... <laughs> Probably, you know, we took them down to get a camera up the stairs, and when they went, went back up, they didn't go back up in the exact same spot. It's continuity. It's a, it's, no, it was not intentional. 
Oh, yeah. Maybe Carol did it in person. I'm not even sure it was the right family. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. That last part was a joke. Yeah. So any, any uh, I don't know, you kept talking about the final season, but any, 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 any last words about filming this amazing show and in, in Hawaii and how I can't wait to read the scripts every time every that's I'm just like you guys I don't know I know a little bit more than you but I have no idea how it ends mm -hmm. and I'm really really looking forward to it. as a fan of the show I'm yeah. dying to know how this thing ends <clears throat> that's about it but it's bittersweet because then you don't really want it to end you know yeah. what I mean oh no I want it to end <laughs> <laughs> no I just mean the story yeah. but Okay. <laughs> I'm ready for it to. I'm ready to, yeah. to move on. I mean, I love the show, but I'm really excited about it coming to a. That's the neat thing about this show, where most shows don't have. Say an is end date. We right. know when the show's yeah. going to end, and they get to control how it ends. It's not right. like it gets canceled and, and, and people just go their separate way. This is going to have a really neat closure to it. I mean, for, for us as filmmakers and for the audience, I think it's just great that it's going to, you know, it's going to end properly. What if it's not? What if it disappoints? Oh. <laughs> it's great. It's going to be great. It is. It's great. It's great to read the scripts. And, well, don't. I'm not. I didn't say nothing. <laughs> it's great to get the scripts and read them. But no, you mean the experience of working in Hawaii yeah, yeah. is amazing. You know, we've all been in strange locations where it's difficult to get things done, right. Morocco or no, wherever. I wouldn't call this that. And this is not that. And it's just been a, a thrill. And it's such a great experience to work here in Hawaii, really. Phenomenal. I mean, hey, you're living in Hawaii, but, you know, doing really good work in a place other than where you're normally doing it in Los Angeles, where there's everything. Mm -hmm. There's actually everything here, too. Right, right. So, that's nice. On um, that, looks like let's end the uh, guy's on the screen coming. Thank you very much. Rolling Sanchez, Rob Carter.